The start of childhood trauma can be a hard one to trace back to one specific point. But to three children, it was an easy identifying event. They had watched their own mother being shot down in their driveway after all. Jane Thurgood Dove was a 34-year-old mother who was minding her own business when someone pulled into her driveway after her and shot her down. Today's case is the unsolved case of Jane Thurgood Dove. Let's sit down in front of the fire and talk about our second case of Christmas and crime. Hey guys, and welcome back to my podcast. I'm your host, Lulu, and today's episode is about Jane Thurgood Dove. This is an unsolved case. Um, We have a lot of information about her case, but unfortunately, we've never been able to use that information to catch her murderer, or murderers for that matter. Um, But I wanted to welcome everybody back. This is the second day of Christmas and Crime. I missed you guys so much. I know we just talked yesterday, but... I'm super excited to have this party with you to like have a week straight where we just get a, you know, talk about crime. It's just going to be so much fun. So welcome back. And let's talk a little bit about Jane Thurgood Dove. Now, Jane, as you know, was a mother and unfortunately these events start off pretty quick and pretty sudden. The morning of November 6th, 1997, started off very normal for Jane. She started off with dropping her children off at school, and this is where she would follow this with her daily tasks. Once these daily tasks were complete, she decided it was time then to pick her children up. So she drove to their school and picked her three children up. One was 11, the middle child was six, and the youngest was only three, you guys. They were sitting in the very back seat of her vehicle when Jane pulled into the home's driveway at around 3.40 p.m. that night. Soon after she pulled in, you guys, like I said, things move pretty fast. Um, A metallic blue vehicle pulled outside of her property. At this point, Jane had exited her car and had not retrieved her children. I don't blame her. If somebody pulled up next to me in my driveway and I didn't know who it was, I would have left my children in the vehicle as well. Um, I am a very paranoid person too. And actually, when I get back to my house alone with my kids, I usually leave them in the locked car that's running And I run inside and I make sure nobody is hiding in my house before I even bring the kids inside. Um, Because that's, you know, I'm just paranoid like that. So I don't blame her from, you know, for leaving the kids in the car. It's a very good thing that Jane decided to leave the children in the vehicle. Because Jane was approached by a man, an unknown man. This man, the best description we have of him was a short pot-bellied man who had actually exited out of the passenger seat. The driver of the vehicle remained inside and waited for this man to finish what he was doing and hop back in. 
Obviously, the description of this man that they have is not the best. I mean, I bet every single one of us know somebody who is a man who's short and has a pot belly. I mean, it's a very broad description of somebody, unfortunately, but this is the only thing we can go off of. This man proceeded to chase Jane around her vehicle while her children watched. Jane obviously quickly knew that he meant some sort of harm. Instead of running away from the vehicle, though, Jane decided that she was going to stay there and try her best she could to stop this. She did not want to leave her children alone with this man. And so that's why she ran around the car over and over and over. But Jane would end up making a fatal mistake. A fatal mistake that couldn't really be helped and honestly one that you see in a lot of horror movies and unfortunately for jane it was like living a horror movie you guys jane tripped she tripped and fell and just like every single horror movie out there when a character trips the game is over for them when she hit the ground the man chasing her pulled out a very large pistol While the children watched outside of the window, this man shot their mom repeatedly in the head and torso, killing her. Luckily, this man didn't want anything to do with the children, because after shooting Jane, he ran back into that getaway vehicle with that driver still in the car and sped off, leaving Jane there and leaving the children to watch their mom die. Once the scene was found, they immediately started to hunt for the two people involved because it's very clear there was two. The one man got out of the passenger seat. We don't have a description, though, of the driver, unfortunately. It didn't take authorities long at all to find this getaway vehicle. This getaway vehicle was found on Farrell Street, but it was torched getaway vehicle was set on fire and the two people that were in it had left the scene and ran they could still pull the plates off this vehicle though you guys so like right off the bat it looked so good for jane but unfortunately when they ran this license plate this vehicle had been stolen just the night before from Princess Park, Carlton. This was the authorities' first dead end in Jane's case. Their next step was to look at the people around Jane to try and determine any suspects. They also had not informed her husband at this point. Once they had informed Mark, her husband, They also told him that he was going to be treated as a suspect until they could prove otherwise. Some of this was because they had no leads in Jane's case. And some of this was because, honestly, they always start with the families. Most victims that get murdered will usually get killed by people that they know. So starting with her husband was not really out of the ordinary and was honestly kind of common. Mark cooperated the whole time, and they were able to quickly rule him out. Mark had nothing to do with what happened to Jane. 
But I want to put a little note in here about their investigation. They only really went off of Mark's word when they asked him how his marriage was to Jane. Mark had informed them that him and Jane were in a happy and healthy marriage. And when they looked at their records of Mark, they discovered that Mark was a hard worker with no criminal record at all. On top of that, in April of 2000, he passed a polygraph test that they subjected him to. These are the reasons that they crossed him off the list. But remember, they only went off of what Mark said about their marriage. I'm not saying that Mark could have lied, um, but because you know me and I'm paranoid and I suspect everybody has something to hide, I kind of wish they would have asked a couple more people in Jane's life about Jane's and Mark's marriage. I don't think personally that Mark had anything to do with it, but I do feel like that is not entirely the best thing to do, to only ask the husband. Um, but yeah, so I did want to note that. While they were investigating, Mark decided to bring some interesting information to the table, which would then in turn lead the authorities to their second suspect. Mark had informed the police that his wife had a friend that was a policeman at the time, and that this friend was literally head over heels for Jane, and not in a cute way, in an obsessive way. They had no proof that Jane had ever fallen for this policeman, but when they pulled him in and questioned him, he said that he was in love with her and he had asked her to leave her husband for him, all while denying having any information or involvement in her murder. Let's bring you back a little bit to what Mark said about their marriage and about how it was perfect. Now, obviously people are going to have you know, people that are they are not married to or dating attracted to them. That's just kind of something that will always happen to people. But what if their relationship wasn't as good as it was and Jane was cheating on Mark? Not saying Mark had anything to do with it, but then what if this policeman got mad that Jane wasn't going to leave Mark? Like, there's so many things that could have happened right here that is really why I wish they would have questioned more people about Jane's and Mark's relationship. But anyways, after Mark had informed the police about this man who was obsessive over his wife, they began to suspect and look more into this man. They felt like he would not have been the man to act the murder out himself, just based off of who he was. But maybe he had hired somebody. Or two people. They hypothesized that she had denied him and she had told him that she was not going to leave her husband. Whether that meant they were in a relationship or not, this could have been a situation where he came out of nowhere and she was unaware of the man's feelings. Or it could have been a situation where maybe they did have a relationship and he told her to leave her husband and she said no. Either way, they believed that she turned him down. Apparently, this man even tried to buy 
a plot next to her burial site when she had died, so that way when he died, he could be laid to rest next to her. Which just kind of shows you how creepy he was, because I feel like especially somebody... I mean, even especially somebody who's cheating on their significant other with somebody. I just think that's really weird to want to buy the plot next to their dead body. They decided that they were going to search his home at this point. When they searched his home, they found an entire memorial to her. And his phone number, his mobile phone number, was based off of her birthday, which I didn't even know you could do. I just literally thought they handed you a number and said, hey, this one's free, take it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I get that, like, when you have a a business, you could do something like that. But to just be able to base your normal phone number off of something, I just didn't know that was even possible. So that was kind of weird. And his work password was also based off of her birthday. If that, those things don't put into perspective how obsessive he was over her, then I'm not sure what's going to, because that is, and I'm going to say it, a red flag, like terrifying. Can you imagine the panic Jane would be in if she knew that? And I mean, like, what if she knew that he was creepy and then he came and just admitted his feelings to her and she then had to shoot him down? That had to be like kind of terrifying, to be honest with you. They interviewed him three different times, and during these interviews, they discovered that he had no alibi for the night. He also met the description, even though it was vague, of the man that was seen that night, and he failed a polygraph test they had given him on April 29th, 2000. The question that he failed on was, are you responsible for the death? of Jane Thurgood Dove. But other than that, the police couldn't dig up any other incriminating evidence against him. I want to remind you though, that polygraph tests are not really definite proof of somebody's innocence or involvement. They cannot be held up in court. They are very easy to fake. They're very easy to fail. And they have very inconsistent results half of the time. So let's not get hung up on that. Because yes, he may have failed it. But if he had walked in nervous that he would be blamed for something that he did not do, then he could have 100% had a false fail. The police often try to use polygraph tests in order to get a better idea as to who they should look more into or not. Not necessarily who is responsible. Just keep that in mind. They did, however, look briefly into another officer that was involved in some way. This officer was said to be working in the city and was not the best officer in the force. They had a ton of people in his crew that believed that he should have been suspended, transferred, or even removed from office from the ways that he did things. That's all I could find on this officer. I'm not exactly sure what led them to him or exactly sure what this officer did in order for people to not like him. So I just wanted to 
leave that there, but let you know that there was another officer. Then, on October 7th, 2003, they removed their prime suspect from the case. They removed the obsessive police officer for unknown reasons. Suddenly, though, this cold case seemed like it was about to warm up. The authorities were informed that a group of bikers may know some information about the murder. And when they looked into this lead, it came out that Jane was killed by accident. That there was another woman on that same block with a very similar vehicle who was the actual target that night. The police arrested one of these bikers and they believed he was the getaway driver. They offered him a deal that if he were to give up who the other man who killed Jane was and finally close this case, he would walk away with a much lighter sentence. But he didn't take it. And they didn't have enough information to hold anybody accountable. But they now had a feeling that they knew who organized it and who the killer was. They believed that this story had to be the right one. The woman down the street who looked very similar to Jane and had a very similar vehicle was named Carmel Kyprianu. I hope that's how you say her last name. <laughs> I know I suck at pronouncing things, guys, but that's a really different last name. I don't think I've ever seen that. Anyways, also, I know that there's a million different ways to say caramel. Some people say caramel, caramel. I'm just going to say it the way I've always grew up saying it, which is caramel. I hope I'm not, you know, mispronouncing that either. So I apologize if I am. But anyways, caramel lived about three houses down on a different corner of the same street as Jane. Let's give you a little bit of backstory here. Carmel had married a man named Peter. Peter was a crook and a con man and altogether a not good guy. These two had two kids together and they had ended up moving in near Jane. The neighborhood knew this family to be very kept to themselves. They did not really get to know their neighbors. They didn't really have a lot of friends. And when the police looked more into this family, they found out why. A few years earlier, a very old business partner to Peter had made plans to kidnap, torture, and kill Peter over a $200,000 scam that had gone wrong. So, Peter was already in very hot water. It was said that all of this that went down was because Peter had decided that he was going to kidnap his own wife, Carmel. I am unsure as to why Peter was going to have his wife kidnapped. I'm not sure if he was hoping to do some big scam and get some money back from the police to release her. Like, I'm not exactly sure. But they did have a policeman that went undercover and posed as somebody who was going to kidnap Carmel. Once they had proof that he was going to go through with it, they arrested Peter. Peter was charged with conspiracy to murder Carmel and he accepted a plea bargain. 
getting released a few months before Jane had ended up getting murdered. This is where they link him to the biker gang. It is said that he made friends with a few of the bikers who were also serving time at the same time. And while they were serving time together, they hatched a plan to kill Carmel. Once again, I am unsure as to why Peter wanted to kill Carmel. I'm mostly assuming it was some sort of life insurance scam or the kidnapping was just, you know what I mean? Or they just had a really bad relationship. Either way, the bikers were supposed to kill Carmel, who was also a blonde mother who drove a four-wheeled car and lived on the same street as Jane. But when the men saw Jane, they pulled into the wrong house and they killed the wrong woman, saving Carmel, but killing Jane and permanently damaging the children that witnessed it. Then, apparently, the news came out with a story that claimed that some sort of hitman was beaten shortly after the death of Jane. They believed this was a punishment for killing the wrong woman. The police had an inside source that agreed that this is what actually happened and that Carmel was the real target. Then, Peter came forward to talk to the police and asked them for $10 million for him to give them a breakthrough for Jane's case. This was another way for the man to make a quick dollar, and he was crossing his fingers that the police were going to take it. But the police didn't take it, and Peter walked away. They obviously put up a reward for any information that could lead to closing the case. It started off as 100000 and was increased over the years to $1 million in 2003. Once increased, tips finally began to flow in. And that's when they got a name. Former biker Stephen John Morty. But Stephen had died of a drug overdose two years prior to this tip. And if he was involved... He took all of the information with him when he died. Another name came through of one of these tips. His friend in the crew was also involved. And right as they were about to bring this friend in for questioning to try and close Jane's case and give her some sort of closure, this man died of a boating accident in April of 2004. Neither of these men were thought to be the getaway driver and they still have no idea or leads on who this getaway driver was. This case is still open to this day, and the reward money is still up. But with people quickly dying off in this case, will we ever get answers for Jane? Or do you think her case is just going to continue to catch dust? Jane was just trying to finish a normal day running errands, and taking her kids home from school. Nobody could have guessed that her time would have ended because of a simple trip. Jane could have been in the wrong place at the wrong time. And if the hypothesized theory is correct, if she would have just hit one last red light, Jane Thurgood Dove might still have been alive to raise her children today. Thank you.
There may be false or misleading information throughout this podcast. All facts have been researched to the best of my abilities, but accidents do happen. If this is a story you are interested in knowing more about, I highly recommend doing your own research. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.